So what's up my beautiful people and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Motorsports. I am your host, The Big Ticket, here to talk to you about all things motorsports related. In this episode, today I'm going to be discussing uh, the DTM's new rules, the unknown but needs to be known Super GT in Japan, um, the possibility of Hamilton re retiring from F1, boy that would fucking suck, and the girls on track. Uh, rising stars program that's happening uh with the for in partnership with ferrari as well as the robo race it's hilarious and a final history lesson the willie willie t ribs um uh just a short quick history lesson on willie t ribs all right if you want to check out the YouTube version or the video version of this podcast, head on over to youtube.com slash Tyreek Waldron, or you can head down to the links in the description. It'll be there on the audio version as well as the video version if you are on YouTube. And if you do go over to YouTube, go ahead, kick, go ahead and click that subscribe button. It's the best way to get, you know, updates on not only the show, but all the other content that I will be putting into YouTube as the days goes on, as the days go by. Now, starting off with the DTM. The new rules being implemented for the 2021 season has some drivers on edge. A couple guys are not going to be able to actually uh, stick with the new rules being implemented. Now, I can't give you all the details as to what the new rules are, simply because that's tedious and probably very fucking boring. So what I will be doing is just doing a quick overview. All right. Now. Normally they have a different style, okay? They are there are different rules for different types of cars and different types of races. Now, there are there is a whole grand touring style of cars and style of racing that gets done. But there's different rules in place for those things. Now, the DTM is implementing rules that revolve around a much more powerful and professional level of competitiveness that's what they're changing their rules to but you know what's happening or what they're realizing is happening is that certain manufacturers are not actually upgrading their vehicles to match those standards or to match those regulations forgive me if i look down from time to time or well a good bit because most of my notes are written down so i actually you know have to visualize and converse because these are my actual talking points that i do talk about now, BMW and Audi have agreed to participate. Now, as we know, Audi is actually making an exit soon from DTM, okay? Or at least that's what some news is, 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 uh, is insisting, that they will be leaving the DTM possibly after the 2021 season. Now, they have agreed, BMW and Audi have agreed to change their cars, but they have made no news or there's no clarity as to whether or not they're going to actually do it. Okay, they've made concise uh, decisions stating that they will participate even with the new regulations being implemented, but they have yet to determine whether or not they're going to be changing over their cars to match those regulations. Now, Porsche, they have a car capable of 520 horsepower. Now, they could do a lot of things to still give them that competitive edge because the new regulations insist that the cars be bumped up to 600 brake horsepower, okay? and I just lost my train of thought. Um, but they're trying to get, they want it bumped up to 600 horsepower, okay? But 
you know, certain cars are not able to attain that with the with, with the tuning stuff that they have in place. So Porsche has yet to, or Porsche, some people like to say, I say Porsche, they have yet to decide on what they're gonna do and they have yet to make any changes to their vehicles. Now, also, there are definitely some drivers who will not be continuing because of the new rules, okay? Um, one is someone who, uh, someone who I've been hard on from time to time but uh, in his DTM style debut for this year is Robert Kubica. He has stated that if, once these regulations are in place, he will most likely not be participating in the 2021 season, which honestly doesn't do anything. It does not a detriment to the sport. So <laughs> um, it's not hate. It's not hate. It's just he got to step up his game. That's all I'm trying to say. All right. Um, now, they're also trying to allow driver aids back into the racing world, back into DTM as well. The way they originally had it was... Um, because of the, the 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 bump up in power they wanted to reduce the driving aids and allow for a way more professional field of racing what that does is kind of take away from some of the excitement that you might find in racing that competitive that competitive nature of ambition now current drivers okay because they're at that pro level have supported that taking away of driving aids but now that it, it can't be done fast enough and with companies having to come up with different braking systems and testing and all this other stuff it won't be done at a decent pace in order to be incorporated into the 21 into the 2021 season and regulations so they're leaving drivers driving aids and they're leaving abs traction control all that stuff they're leaving those kinds of things in the cars for the next season um, and also, also, there will be a new coverage of the uh, DTM simply because it's now they're trying to get more fans involved, get more streams. And like I said in one of my previous episodes, they are suffering from a kind of financial debacle. Now, they are trying to get, they have signed new deals with different broadcasting companies and stuff like that to provide coverage rather than dealing with the, with, with the personal financial burden of trying to cover the events and stuff like that. So now they just do a contract, do a deal, and that other company now can, you know, record and broadcast and commentate and all that kind of stuff. Um, so they're trying to do that. They're expanding to basically all the German speaking countries that um, are in Europe, because <laughs> I don't really know any German speaking countries other than in Europe. They are saying that that broadcast will be live and be able to um, actually be broadcasted in those in those countries. OK. And of course, like I said before, the reason why they wanted to beef up these cars was to weed out the amateur style of drivers or the drivers who don't have that pro level experience. What I find in that, like I said, it takes away from that amateur ambition, which then cuts down the competitiveness of the actual competition. Um, next, like I stated, I'm trying to raise awareness for the Super GT, man. The Super GT is a by far exciting and exhilarating experience to watch. And I'm sure if I was actually able to be there, it would be even more incredible. It would be even more incredible. Reason I say that, all right? It's the highest level of sports car racing in Japan, 
okay? Um, it focuses on exciting and even races. Now, what I mean by even, okay? Well, first, hold on one second. Let me, let me, let me still give you the overview of the actual race. It is designed to allow for common auto parts to be implemented to create these cars, okay? At least in the GT500 phase uh, category. This system, there's only two categories, GT500 and GT300. Here's the difference. GT500 is mainly a manufacturer-sponsored style of racing, um, mainly dominated by manufacturer-sponsored teams. I haven't seen any private teams or anything like that go into that, so whatever, but that is like the highest of most high in the GT category. In my personal opinion, they have some basically the fastest cars outside of like LMP1s when it comes to endurance championship races. Now, um, where was I going? Oh, the GT300 is just uh, a bunch of GT cars going in from whether it's a German class or J Japanese class or whatever that comes and races and actually participates in, in events. Those, you know, are from manufactured teams, manufactured sponsor teams to full on privateer, private entrance teams. So like you might be able to see various cars on the actual raceway or in the actual race. Now they're designed to allow for common auto parts to be implemented into these cars okay common parts that you can actually purchase in store and create these beasts of cars in your own garage and it also had and also prevents that 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 pay to win style that you might find in formula one like like what's being done with mercedes now mercedes says you know they have implemented so much money in technology and 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 and, and bettering the car and then you know you fill that with the correct talent you get you, you get a good experience you get you get a good uh chance at victory but they wanted the super gt takes away all that it takes away all that by allowing that common auto part so now or, or by limiting to that common auto part, not, you know, uh, independently tested and ran performance parts that are created specifically for this event and that kind of stuff. No, they take away all of that and give it to common auto parts. Not only does it reduce costs, but it also gives every car a competitive edge. Every car, not just Mercedes, not just Ferrari, you know? Or McLaren it gives every car every car that's entered a competitive edge or a competitive nature that ends up creating an uh, even race a, a, a race where everyone has an opportune uh, has an opportunity to win now they have another system in place that allows that 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 creates and, and makes the actual competition way more even now I say this it's known as a weight handicap system Okay, now to some of y'all that might sound a little brazen or like, what the hell do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, this is used every single race, except for the last race, okay? But how it works is this. There are cars, obviously, because some teams are richer than others, <laughs> that are going to be able to afford better performing common auto parts or they're going to be able to afford more auto parts and stuff of that nature that can provide a competitive edge over the competition during an actual race what the weight handicap system does is it allows the governing body to implement um, an increase of weight to cars that are overly successful in the gt in the super gt series and kind of 
evens them out a little bit. You know, it, it's not necessarily, yes, it is kind of like, uh, like, like slowing down that, that potential and slowing down that driver, but it creates a way more exciting race because not only do you still have the talent of that driver, but now you have other drivers that are going to, that are going to be able to keep up and keep up that competitive nature throughout the entirety of the race. So now it becomes not even, so now that weight handicap system creates an all around more exciting race, more exciting event for the fans and a much more, you know, um, if I, I want to say like competitive, competitive battle between drivers you know what i'm saying and it inspires you to kind of not only attack but lay back just a little bit and wait for that right moment to pounce because you don't want to be restricted too much so it's it's not only about you know um watching it's also about that mental race between that mental the the, the mental side of racing that you have to think about oh i need this position so that way i won't be implement i won't be taken down from this you know I, like uh I won't be restricted as much as I would if I had this position, but at the end of the race, if I'm able to get that, get the position that I'm looking for, or honestly, people can go all out all the time and from there, you know, deal with whatever, whatever restrictions. Obviously, if they're a talented driver, restrictions shouldn't really dictate how they perform, but it damn sure makes the race way more exciting and way more even. Obviously, they have other things in place um, that help with that competitive stuff as well. But that'll probably get boring to talk about. Who wants to talk about car specs and all that stuff all day? Excuse me. Um, now the GT500 is domestic manufacturer supported. It's dominated by the by Nissan, Toyota, and Honda, the, 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 the Japanese um, manufacturers in the GT500. Now, like I said before, these cars are the fastest when it comes to grand touring and, and, and endurance championships, aside from the LMP1 prototypes. Or LMP1 race cars, okay? LMP1s are damn near, it's like the, it's like the Formula 1 version of GT car, of GT racing. Um, now, what they do, they have two drivers for each team. Now, with that, it's basically everything is even and split perfectly. Drivers can't race more than two thirds of the race, which gives not only the edge to, which gives not only the other driver the opportunity to shine, but also gives everyone that also keeps it level, keeps it even once again. That's like the main theme of the Super GT. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, like how Moto 2 is or how Moto 3 is in, in Moto GP with everyone, you know, it's kind of like they get supplied the same engines and all that stuff. But you know, with this, they have limiting factors that are implemented every race, okay? Um, so if there's one car that dominated in the last race, that car might not have more uh, weight restriction or whatever, or um, it might get that weight handicap system implemented. And you know, now in the next race, it's it, it's not as, you know, dominating, okay? It's much more competitive, closer, kind of a, a battle between drivers. And honestly, in my personal opinion, it's fucking fantastic to watch. Fucking amazing. I'm still going to continue with it, though, because the GT300 allows all cars of all realms, all styles of GT cars. And they also allow private teams to throw their hat in the ring, to, to actually get in these events and sponsor cars and, and, and field cars. 
Now, with this, you'll find like the candy wrapped crazy livery cars right next to a manufactured, sponsored uh, performante or some shit. Like is, is that type of, of excitement that you see, is that type of um, collaborations that you can see. And another thing that the GT300 does it brings a certain level of exposure to those private teams. The reason I say that is because now, not only are you competing next to manufacturer-sponsored cars in your own designs and stuff of that nature, but you're also able to showcase your talent to the rest of the world, which by far to me is one of the best things ever. Um, anytime you're able to showcase that you can compete with the big boys, it's fucking wonderful. It don't matter if you're the underdog or whatever. If you're able to compete with the big boys and showcase that you got skill, that's another that's another like point in your favor, basically. Um. Now my take on it, it's exciting, never a dull moment. Okay. Um. Entirely competitive field in the GT500. Absolutely competitive, and it's definitely some of the most exciting racing that you can possibly ever watch and ever see. Um, and like I said before, the GT300 brings private teams and brings, um, what did I write down? <laughs> and bring manufacturers, sponsored teams together in one race, which increases the exposure to those private teams, not only to the teams that they're racing against, but also across the world to see their competitive nature against those professional manufactured teams. And one last note, it also features European drivers. It's not just Japanese people uh, racing. It features European drivers because the Super GT can be seen as a stepping stone into Formula One. The reason is because the Super GT still gives points towards the, uh, the Formula One license, okay? So with racing in that and gaining that experience, you now get the points necessary to get your Formula One license. So you'll see European drivers using it as a stepping stone into Formula One, because like I said, it is the fastest of road cars, aside from Formula One and stuff of that nature, and the open wheel and stuff. I'm talking about road cars that you can drive today. They, it's the fastest of those styles of cars. So, it's, 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 it's that level just before you get to the Formula One or, or the or the open or the open uh, the open wheel races and stuff of that nature. Okay, now cutting off of that, definitely yo check into that shit for real. Check into the Super GT for real. Okay, it is definitely a very interesting race that I think a lot of people should definitely find should definitely uh look up. Go to YouTube wherever you 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 stream wherever you you search for stuff. Go there, Google. I don't know who uses Bing still, but Bing, whatever. You know, those kind of places. Look up Super GT, the Japanese Super GT. Just look it up. It's exciting racing. If you're ever interested in motorsports, definitely check into it. That is some exciting and definitely heated comp competitive racing. Fucking amazing. Going into Hamilton the possibility of retiring. <laughs> Y'all already know that I put a knife through my heart. <laughs> but there has been no new contract established for Hamilton as of yet. 
Now, the reason I say as of yet is because, of course, this is not, you know, factual. This is not determined yet. It's not determined whether or not he's going to continue after this this season, after his seventh world title. I'm putting that into existence because he's like 85 points clear of Botas. He's getting that title, so it does. It don't matter. But Hamilton just clinched his 72nd win for Mercedes in F1. Now I'm just gonna give you a quick recap of that race on Sunday. Um, how it started, Botas led straight up. Hamilton uh, dropped back to third, Verstappen take second. Now, Verstappen started that uh, that pitting sequence. He went into pit trying to pit and then hopefully cover over Botas when Botas actually went to pit himself. But on the next lap, Botas pitted and then that put them right, right back in basically the same exact position of Botas in first, Verstappen in second. But um, because both drivers pitted, Hamilton, who stayed on uh, the actual track longer, was able to go into first place. Now, obviously, it wasn't by a lot, but uh, he tried to do a couple of hot laps. He executed a good bit of hot laps and actually created some distance between Botas and Verstappen. Now, a virtual safety car came out, which allowed him to pit and get new tires, which ensured that he would stay in first place when that virtual safety car was removed. Ah, put a note on that, put a marker on that, put a highlight there, simply because the discussion is that without the virtual safety car, would Hamilton have won? That's a dumb question. <laughs> yes, Hamilton would have won. In my personal opinion, obviously there's other stuff that go into it that I probably don't know about, but in my opinion, as a fan, as someone who just likes to watch the sport, most definitely, that's a victory for him. No question about it, virtual safety car or not. Now, um, Botas had floor damage from since lap two. I believe it came from uh, debris uh, that happened in, you know, at the beginning of the race, uh, some collisions that resulted in debris along the track that wasn't really swept up or nothing like that. Um, now before late race, you know, uh, at like lap 42 or 43 or something like that, Verstappen was actually able to pass Botas. Uh, Botas had swung wide in one of the turns and Verstappen went easily cut in and was able to um, take second because like I said, Hamilton is now in first. Um, now, I think with like 12 or 15 or 12 laps to go or something like that, a big, big, big detrimental tire failure for Verstappen. He had a big blowout, a big blowout failure uh, on his, what was it, right, re right rear tire um, that literally just blew out in the middle of the race. Um, he quoted it as being an instantaneous feeling of ruin basically uh that's all i can really tell you um that also brought out a safety car which of course allowed other cars to pit do whatever is necessary get new tires all that good stuff so safety cars are definitely a, a part of strategy i should say it's a part of strategy and other teams have the same capabilities or have that same opportunity to pit get new tires get uh you know a, a, a fresh restart going into the next uh, section of racing without a safety car, or, you know. So when I hear that, you know, without the virtual safety car, would Hamilton have won? Still, yes, yes, he would have. Other teams utilize that same opportunity. Granted, they're not in first, 
but they utilize that same opportunity. And what I stated previously when I was talking about the Super GT, you know, Mercedes invests a lot of money into the performance of their vehicles, a lot of money. So yes, Hamilton is usually gonna be in that top running most of the time, no question about it. But like I said, other cars had the opportunity to, if not get you know, on podium, at least still be in points contention. All right. Now, like I said, uh, there was also a crash or a spin out by Alex Albin towards the end of the race, a spin out by Alex Albin, Carlos Sands. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen this clip, but he had an incredible navigation of full stop, move to the left, keep going around Albin as he spun out. And I mentioned in the last episode, Alex Albin <laughs> needs to get his shit together in order to have his career still with Red Bull. But that spun out costed him majorly and he resulted in last place <laughs> which kind of fucking sucks but I, I i really hope i really hope that he is still going to be in f1 as of next year he probably will be as you know companies are looking for new drivers and stuff like that people who they can invest a career in so obviously alex Albon, as being just two years in perfect opportunity um and he has showcased that he does have the skill to run with the big boys at times so definitely someone to invest in so i'm not really worried about alex alvin and his career who's emailing me anyway <laughs> um now botas and hamilton were able to get fresh tires because of certain crashes and stuff like that from verstappen uh when verstappen had his tire uh blowout and stuff like that so they were able to get fresh tires and keep running in the race then the eventful part of the actual <laughs> race was Alex Albin spinning out. And then it was the competitive racing between Cavat, Perez, Ricardo, and Leclerc. Charles Leclerc came in fifth, I believe. Um, Cavat came in fourth. Ricardo came in third simply because Sergio Perez uh, had pitted. And this was a very questionable pit call very questionable i say that because it was late race it was a very late call he honestly could have kept going within the race um or he could have kept going within that lap when that safety car was out in order to to, to maintain place but that pit call ended up costing him a podium finish and i'm pretty sure i'm not sure i mean obviously they have their they have their they have their reasons why so I'm not questioning the team or anything like that, but it's, it's kind of questionable when you're looking at it from a fan perspective and you don't understand or you don't know what was going on, you know, at that time. So, or what, what the teams were thinking at that time. So I give them that, but still a questionable late call. It came in very late. Uh, now, some talk has been brought up about whether or not Hamilton is going to continue in Formula One after 2020. Now Hamilton has been racing in Formula One for over, for just about either a decade or just over a decade. He's been racing for a good while, a good while. Obviously he has tons of experience, tons of years under his belt, no question. To a lot of guys, they would take that time out, you know, be like, yo, this, I'm a, I'm a world champion, finish off as a world champion, 
uh, finish off as the greatest ever and spend more time with the family, you know, sit back, relax, enjoy the, the, the spoils of my victories. Um, yo, fuck all that. <laughs> yo, Hamilton, you better keep racing, man. I spoke it. Okay. I spoke it in all my episodes, man. You, you getting 120 or better. There is no way in hell I'm going to see you. You get 120 wins, man. You got to go to 120, at least 120. Okay. Or at least 115. You got to go to at least 115. If you don't go to 115, bro, I got to fight you. <laughs> nah, I ain't got to fight you or nothing like that. But um, I would appre- I, I would love to see you go to 115. Obviously, you know, it's your, it's, it's still Hamilton's decision. Still his decision, still whatever he needs to do. But I'm almost certain he's not, he's not going to step away from Formula One just yet. I'm almost certain of it. They haven't signed any contracts or anything for further than this year. But I feel certain after this championship win that he's going to continue his his Formula One career. Or if he doesn't continue it, he's going to take a little hiatus, which is okay. But that comeback going to be legendary. <laughs> that comeback better be legendary, basically. Um... Yes, I use paper and pen because I don't really like typing. I mean, I type all the time, so that's besides the point. Now, I said I was going to talk about it. The Girls on Track Rising Stars Program by the FIA Women in Motorsports Commission. Um, Their mission statement basically is they're identifying uh, talented female drivers within the ages of 12 and 16 years old and from all from all around the world and um help them to reach a professional level or to reach a professional career in motorsports now why that age group i mentioned in my last episode when i uh, talked about the racing together video i'm also going to release that specific clip um the same day as this episode so you can obviously check back obviously that video is probably going to upload first simply because it's I don't know. I probably, I released the episode already. <laughs> well, that episode is going to be in that, that little clip is going to be, you know, somewhere in this vicinity. Um, if you guys don't know what I just did, check into the YouTube version of the podcast. You'll be able to see my, you know, my hand gestures and all that yada yada. But the reason why that age group is simply because that is the, that is the most, that is the most critical time in developmental growth. Not only do you retain information better, you learn better, um, you comprehend better. It's that time, that that frame right there is perfect to mold someone for a professional career. Not on, you know, um, for me, I'm, I don't know, I don't know. For me, it, it, it was a motivation time for me. Uh, for me, that's what really yeah, ingrained in me during that time was my ambition and my motivation to to actually do shit. Um, and get stuff done. That's what was implemented in me uh, personally. Now with them, it's motorsports, um, which I'm certain that these females are going to actually be able to, to to take further than just that, and going to be able to create specific programs, create specific races, and even you know definitely delve into all that motorsport racing has to offer. And I'm here for it. I cannot wait. And um, with this program, their reward, you know, if they actually, 
like the reward for like the best driver or for the best couple drivers is a is a is a contract with Ferrari's driving academy okay and there they'll be able to train and do I think they'll be able to uh I do test drives of, of cars and stuff like that and participate in Formula 4 series races and shit like that too. It's incredible and it's with Ferrari because Ferrari is the first partnership that this organ that this program has, which is a great partnership to have. It's Ferrari, a staple in motorsports racing for a long period of time from 19 shit from 1940s all the way to today and they this is a, this is an incredible opportunity to have and an, an incredible partner to have as well someone with you know the namesake of ferrari and the exposure that ferrari can bring to these females creates way more opportunity for them and this is a opportune time as well with this COVID stuff you know actually i don't know where i was going with that scratch that forget forget i just forget i just said that <laughs> um now at this point in the actual program, they're going from carts to full-fledged cars, to open-wheel cars. Um, they're going to like Formula 4 style cars and stuff for that, like like that. So, you know, this is a big step from go-karts, well, not go-karts, but it's a big step from karting to this, to the cars that they are going to now be driving. And at 12, 16 years old, I'm sure they're going to be having a fucking blast with it. Um, and you know they're actually going to be using these 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 single seater cars and the formula 4 cars to train and you know um become better and from there you know there's going to be uh the final assessments and all that stuff to get the best drivers and from there ferrari is going to make whatever decision they need to make and 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 um you know get that contract together which i hope ends up creating an even more extensive career and even more extensive opportunities for not only these females but women in general in motorsports i'm i'm all for it um next the robo race the fucking funniest shit <laughs> oh my god robots are taking over unsuccessfully i might add but um, we've seen robots do incredible things. We have. We've seen robots comprehend emotion. We've seen robots play chess. We've seen robots play games, run around, compound different information. We've seen robots do a lot of things in the course of what, maybe 20 years? In two decades, we've seen robots progress from just fucking microchips to full on, you know, um, structures that can comprehend different things, AI, that can respond, that can search things for you with just, you know, voice control, that can interpret different things and create and do a whole lot of things for you. We've seen robots do these things. We've seen AI do these things. Now, they're trying to implement AI controlled races. Me personally, that sounds kind of dull because I like that human element. I like the fact that someone might make a mistake. I like that. But the Robo Race, some may say it sounds exciting. Some say it sounds interesting. Some say being that it's AI controlled, now we can see full speed, flawless racing. (laughs) 
Oh my god, one of the first streams of the actual Robo Race live broadcast. The car wasn't even doing nothing. It was literally just sitting there at a standstill. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the shit makes a beeline for the wall off to the right. Literally just turn, boom, hits the wall. I don't know what the, f I don't know what was happening in that AI module or whatever. I don't know if there was a glitch or whatever happened, but it's safe to say that Robo Races are not going to be taking over anything for a little while, at least for a little while. So, um, you know, the pros and cons of AI racing is simple. Yes, it takes away that, that human danger, basically. But I, I, for some reason, I feel like that, that kind of what makes racing exciting. People are really out there risking, you know, life and limb. Going out there to, 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 to chase glory, to chase victory, to chase that championship. You know, um, and that 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 human battle, that human competitive nature, no robot could ever compare. In my personal opinion, that ambition that a human has mid-race, that decision making that can occur mid-race, an AI can never can never match. Yes, it's gonna create seamless racing. But I don't know if I'm gonna be able to see battles or rivals form based off of the shit that I see here. I don't know if I don't know if that's gonna, you know, come up. I don't know if that's gonna form. What time is it? Damn, it's two o'clock. I don't know if that's gonna form. I don't know if that's gonna um actually come into, you know, into reality. I like seeing that competitive nature. I like seeing all those things that having human beings control bring into the motorsports world and into the motorsports environment. It's by far what makes motorsports the greatest sport ever. It's what makes motorsports the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Literally, ever. Now, that wasn't really pros and cons, that was me just <laughs> saying the shit that I love. Um, but yeah. That Robo Race shit, that, it was funny. It was funny and I thought I would just bring it up and thought I would say it. Uh, I think it actually happened, I don't, I don't, I don't remember, bro. I don't, I don't remember where it happened at, but it's, just look up Robo Race or I might be able to actually put in a clip, hopefully. If I'm not able to put in a clip, don't be mad at me. Um, next, a quick history dive into an African-American icon, the black, Motorsports pioneer. Willie T. Ribs, everybody. Willie T. Ribs, AKA Uppity. I'm not sure how that nickname came in, came into actually being made, but I'm bringing this up because there is a documentary out. I will be watching that actually today <laughs> uh, when I get back home from the shit that I have to do. So, a former He's now a former American race car driver, uh, racing owner, and sports shooter. In Europe, he won the former he won I think multiple Formula Four series uh, championships, or he won in multiple Formula Four series races. And he came back to America. Nobody would give him a shot. Nobody. Okay. Now, like I said, he's known as the Black Racing Pioneer because he was the first to not only test 
a Formula One car. Okay, he was um, the first to race in the Indy 500. Uh, he wasn't the first in Trans Am series, but he was the greatest in Trans Am series out of African Americans as a whole. Um, and like I said, he was the greatest in the, in, in the Trans Am series simply because that's where he found his mo the most success. Now, being in a sport that's kind that's you know dominated by white people at the time is brave, I should say, simply because I, he suffered you know with with death threats. People on his own team didn't want to see him shine, and through that he met some limitations that he couldn't overcome. But all in all, he still smashed, smashed a doorway for African-American drivers simply because of his talent and his personality. Granted, his personality was a little abrasive. It was. Yeah, he was punching people and talking reckless, but I still give him props for pioneering that door. Not only for other people, but, you know, for me as well with, with the rallying shit that I did for a short time. And, you know, I wasn't interested in stuff. Obviously not, he wasn't the person that kind of exposed me to that kind of stuff. It was my parents. They exposed me to that. And seeing Lewis Hamilton when I first got interested in Formula One in 2016, 2017, that's what... You know, that's what, you know, may actually gave me that inspiration to go out there and actually try and attain some of that shit and try and attain some of that, uh, some of that racing. Ah, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Um, now he, like I said, he was successful in the Trans Am series. He won the uh, 1983 Trans Am Rookie of the Year. He won a couple championships in the Trans Am series. He also won the Formula Four. He was also the Formula Four Dunlop champion. Um, of uh, 1973, he participated in all the forms of American motorsports uh, at that time, um, from like 1980s to late 90s to 2000 or early 2000s. Um, obviously, in that stuff, he was not as successful simply because he was held back by you know um, limited money and um, also sometimes poor equipment or non-competitive equipment. But he was still able to push uh, through sheer will and talent. Um, he didn't come away with no victories or anything like that, but he did, you know, open the doorway for some people today, um, which is still incredible in its own right. And why I bring this up, like I said, his documentary is out, or at least part one of the documentary is out. I will be watching that later on today. I don't know if I'm going to end up putting a full, um, a full video into who he is and his history but uh if you guys want to check out the actual documentary just search him up on google man uh willie tibbs um also known as uppity uh or willie t tip willie t ribs jesus i'm saying tips willie ribs willie t ribs all right willie uh william theodore ribs jr <laughs> check into him look his name up he is a pioneer in motorsports racing for African-American people. Um, and in the words of Willie Tibbs, of Willie Ribs, geez, I don't know why I keep saying Tibbs. Oh my goodness. Um, there is no sport more exciting than racing. It's the best thing to heaven. And with that, my peoples, peace out. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. Go out there and have some fun. Enjoy life, chill, relax, 
Make sure you spend some time with your family or make time for your family. Success means nothing if you've got nobody to share it with. Um, and if you enjoyed, subscribe, like, leave a comment, and be sure to share it with your peoples. That's it for me. Peace. Thank you for watching this video. If you enjoyed, consider hitting that subscribe button. If you want to check out any more of my content, head down to the description box down below. And remember, you only have one life. Go out there and enjoy it.